Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host, Heather McFadden, and this is the place where I'm going to walk alongside you and connect you with people and resources so you know that you don't mom alone. In this episode number 283, I have the privilege of chatting with Joe Saxton. I was like, and surely if I have this choice, I should be the best possible gajillion mother at this choice ever. And so I should puree carrots I have grown in my own yard. I mean, I kill cacti. That's how good I am at plants. <laughs> I should knit. I should knit diapers. I should knit, you know I mean? I should knit them. <laughs> From, from the wool of sheep I have reared. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I that, and I should be the happiest wife with the hottest body. And my body should snap back, not just snap as it did. <laughs> you know I mean? My body should snap back. And I, I hear be, a lot of shoulds. Yeah, a lot you know of shoulds. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. shooting all over myself. Yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Oh, there totally. Was, and, and it was fear driven. It was fear driven and it was pain driven and it was story driven. And I had to keep on. Joe Saxton is an author, speaker, podcaster, and entrepreneurial coach. She's also hilarious and has the best accent. Oh, and she has two teenage daughters. This episode we recorded weeks before the shelter in place, just to give you a little context on our conversation. Also, in it, Joe shares her own mom journey about embracing who God made her to be and instead of trying to fit into the mold of the kind of mom she thought she should be. She also talks about gathering community that helped her fulfill those assignments and callings. Joe had a new book come out April 14th, 2020 called Ready to Rise, which covers these topics if you want to learn more. Let's get right to it. Here we go. Joe, welcome to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. I mean, I told you, I've been waiting a long time to have this conversation. <laughs> so funny. Uh, well, one, I just love hearing your voice. So anytime I can put a beautiful voice on the show, I'm thrilled. <laughs> Very kind. Very kind. But secondly, I love having strong leader women, mentors, mothers who are a little bit farther ahead to come on the show and inspire us and be vulnerable of where they've been and where God's taken them. So tell us, if you had to go back or maybe even more recently, what's something that has been a pain point that's led you to where you are today? Oh, I mean, there, to be honest, there have been so many. There have been so, <laughs> right? So many. If we could go to our journals, yeah. Mm -hmm. If we go to our journals and stuff, they are stained with tears. But um, I think there was in the early years, when I think of where I'm at today, and today, I do think those early years of having children, I, had, I have two girls and they are 17 months apart. And um, my husband and I met, married, and moved in a very short space of time. So we met in 2003, married, no, actually, no, we met in 2002, married in 2003, emigrated to America 2004, had child one 2005, child two 2006. It was a little busy. It, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was yeah. a little busy. Yeah. Um, and so there was this whirlwind of, and it was wonderful on one level, but it mm -hmm. definitely was the crucible of who are you now? Yeah. Who are you now? As I, I got married at 29. So I'd had, a, I'd built a career. I'd been and built my work over, over a period of years. Who am I now in a new country, in a new cultural context? 
who am I now as a, with child number one, with child number two? I think the pain was the wrestle and the confusion. One, how do I make this work? I'm thousands of miles from family. And two, there are all these, me- I felt, and let me speak for me and not project on your entire audience, <laughs> but <laughs> I felt there were lots of messages of the kind of mum I was supposed to be. Yeah. And there were messages I told myself about the kind of mum I wanted to be. And then the mum I was becoming didn't seem to be that. And was that okay? Hmm. And it was painful. It wasn't just confusing. It was painful because you don't want to damage your kids. Do you know what I mean? Right. You wanted to put money into the college fund, not the therapy <laughs> fund. <laughs> and and that. So that, I think that was my point of greatest vulnerability in that time. You mentioned immigrating. Mm-hmm. So everyone's on the same page. What country did you come from? Because a piece of what you just shared and the challenge of all of that happening so quickly is family not being nearby. Yeah, I grew up in London in England. All my family, my husband, well, most of our family are in England or in Scotland. And then I moved to Phoenix, Arizona initially when we first came. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. It was a, it was a lot. We left, it was 57 degrees and we arrived at 107 degrees. No, that alone. That's that alone enough. was a shock. I, I think I shouted when I left the airport just at the heat. <laughs> I'm in Texas. I get that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. So you're there, you're hearing this message of what a mom should be and you're not feeling like it lines up. What was that message you were getting and how did it not line up? Yeah. And I, I was, whilst I wasn't with family, there are a number of friends who had moved as well, but I was in a community which was very suburban, lovely, lovely community. Although all the houses did look the same, which was a little bit of a shock for me. Um, <laughs> like I was Pleasantville. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah, it really yeah. was. It really was. And it was one of the kind of new build communities. It was the boom before everybody lost their money. That moment. Yeah. We were, oh, yeah. When we were all buying houses we couldn't afford, that era. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and thankfully, we didn't get the arm loan, but some of our friends did. And it was in the church community more than it was in our local community. But the sense of you have this wonderful opportunity to stay home with your child and make as many things as organic as possible, which I'm, I'm down for. It was just like, am I picking the corn by hand? What are we doing here? And, um, and there was, <laughs> do you know what I mean? and there was this sense of, and also there was a clash of cultures because there is a British expectation and an American expectation. Right. And I didn't, fit, I, I didn't feel I fully fit into either. And there was, how do you feel about sleep training? How do you feel about the food you can, and watching people have very strong emotions about things I wasn't sure I was supposed to care about. And then think the painful thing was, is there something wrong with me? That was the hardest message because I didn't feel I needed to have a debate with somebody about which diaper I was going to use. I didn't feel that was debate worthy. Right. You know, I remember there was some friends who, you know, like, like if you're struggling with your baby, bring all your kids come over and all come into my house. And I thought, please don't do that. I'm not the friend who has all the kids over. I'm the friend who pays for the babysitter and buys you a bottle of red wine. That is the friend I am. <laughs> I, I, I don't know whether I'm supposed to be that friend. I don't know if you want me to be that friend, but I promise that's all I've got, sis. That's all I've yeah. got. And so I felt, I felt like in this neighborhood where people love their mum's groups, and I did, but I was always looking for the woman in that group who didn't like being there and who wanted to subvert it by all means necessary. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was, it was terrible. I was, and I, and I, I didn't see myself. And I'm like, what does, what does my motherhood look like? And I didn't feel confident enough at that time to embrace it. 
yeah. embrace how I was. And alongside that, there was, I, I expected, and I don't know why, Heather, I, I, I think it was, I don't know actually why this was, but I, part of my job involves a lot of public speaking. And I expected all the invitations to dry up once I was pregnant. I thought, you are pregnant, people will see the rounding belly and leave you alone. And, um, and some did, some, some left me well alone. And, but there were two things that happened. I became a volunteer at my church and worked harder than when I was paid. And that began to make me ask some questions. Mm. <laughs> and um, I just thought, hold on a second. What's just happened here? And also I would get invites to places and, and me have to ask myself, do I still want to do this? Do I not want to do this? Is this still part, you know, I'm still me. And what does this mean for our lives if this continues? And I think that no, at no other time was confusion so painful. Hmm. Confusion was painful in that chapter of my life. I hear the dissonance of transition for all women. Transitions from this career to a mom to the transition of one culture to the other, the transition of who am I in this new place, physical place, and then emotional place and yeah. identity place. And you're not seeing a formula to follow that lines up oh. with what feels natural. Absolutely. No clear path. I'm not even sure a path at all. Do you know what I mean? Just, <laughs> just, just desert. Yeah. <laughs> just and literal, cacti. literal cacti. Literal yeah. cacti. That's all I, see, all I can see. Okay, are your kids like mine? They're struggling to find activities to entertain themselves and any ideas you offer, they're just not interested in. Well, no longer because I have an idea for you. Keep them engaged with hours of fun with Little Passports. So what is it? Well, Little Passports is a subscription box full of toys and games that educates and entertains. The Little Passport box bonus points is delivered right to your door every month. And you can tailor make it to whatever kind of kid you have. Maybe you have a child with an inner scientist. So you can select the science expedition pack full of cool experiments. There's even boxes for younger ones that are right for their learning level. It's an award-winning, parent-tested, parent-approved subscription box. And they start at $12.95 a month with tons to explore right from your home with little passports. And just for our listeners, Little Passports is offering 15% off the price of any subscription. That means your child could be flying rockets or looking through a microscope in no time. Use offer code DMA at checkout for 15% off your order. That's DMA at littlepassports.com. So tell me about the, the whole, you made a comment about the volunteering, working harder than when you were paid. What did that bring up in you? I think it dawned, it dawned on me. Um, just an, another caveat. England has paid maternity leave. Right. I just, and I, it's long, right? How long is it? How long is it? It's six months paid and then you can extend the time and it's unpaid. And, and there, are, there are different variations, but there is paid maternity leave and you have extended time and there has to be a job guaranteed at the end. It's I mean, amazing. It's, it's called heaven on a stick, Heather. That's what it's called. <laughs> My sister-in-law lives there. She has three kids there. And yes, yeah. And I moved before I was pregnant. And I thought, mm. what on earth was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but so I thought, you know, I'm going to, we, my husband and I worked it so that I'd be able to have some time and 
it wasn't the greatest paid job anyway, but it was, it gave me some time. And then I realized, and they said, oh, you know, would you still want to volunteer? And I thought, oh, this is a great way for me to, you know, look after, keep my mind kind of active. And uh, alongside singing Barney songs and other things, I'll be thinking other stuff. This is going to be glorious. Then they asked me to speak at some of the services and all that kind of stuff. And I just suddenly thought, hold on a second. Hmm hold on a second, what's just happened? Because I was expected to be responsible for things. I was like the backup preacher when everybody was out, which meant we couldn't go away for a week. And it's not like, Heather, we weren't going anywhere. But the principal, <laughs> the principal, the principal was. was, yeah, I couldn't, we couldn't drive north for two hours and cool the heck down because I, because I was volunteering. Mm-hmm. And I thought, am I volunteering? Am I working? And again, but also in this period of life when surely all you want to do is be with your kid and couldn't you just stare into their eyes all day? And isn't it just the most wonderful thing? And aren't you so lucky? Because you, and I wonder if I did feel incredibly lucky. I felt incredibly blessed. I felt, and my daughter enriched my, she was a hurricane that enriched my life, you know, (laughs) on that respect. It was, I mean, it was wonderful, but I was just like, but I'm working. And so why am I saying I'm a stay-at-home mum when I'm working more than I was when I was a working single woman? Right. And calling it volunteering. All that's different is now, instead of me getting a, getting a paycheck, I'm getting a shaken hand where someone's saying, we're so glad you're here. And I'm like, well, I bet you are, because this is free. <laughs> well, and, I, and I'm sure this is where you're going, but I'm thinking, is it because it's acceptable for a mom to step away from her kids if it's volunteer, but you enter into a tricky judgment comparison zone if you stepped away from your kids to take a job. Yes, exactly. And also, what was I saying? Do you know what I mean? What was, what was, was your, your, un, your unmet need that you yeah. were filling? Yeah. What were you doing if you were, you know, surely this was, surely, why couldn't this be enough for you? Why, hmm. couldn't, why couldn't volunteering be enough for you? And actually for me and and i was having this kind of reckoning with myself and saying are you saying this beautiful child is not enough you know mm. this my my kids my kids are uh, i mean you know everybody's kids are stunning and everything <laughs> my kids are the kind of kid like people would stop you in the street and say and i'd be like don't touch my kid but they'd be like oh your child's so cute i, I always wanted a caramel bait i mean it's you know what i mean it's like she garnered attention wherever we went yeah and so it's like this echoed thing of, of your child is so lovely. Will she have your accent? <laughs> if you want to do anything other than walk the streets, the very hot streets, I might add. Walk the oh. very hot streets with your child. And surely, surely that's enough. And then if volunteering isn't enough, is it the money? Is it okay for me as a woman to say, I want the money? Hmm. Is that feminine to say, show me the money? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> is that... Am I just wanting to be something else because you've got this beautiful hurricane and you're going to have another one in a ridiculously short space of time. So why, why isn't this enough for you? Hmm. And I just thought, I feel I need to get paid. (laughs) (laughs) I kept on coming back to children are expensive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Children are expensive and I'm doing this stuff and, um, I feel I should get paid. And in some ways, that's how I ended up back working again, because I wasn't prepared to volunteer for free. Right. And there was an owning of what I brought. I, I thought, let's not pretend you don't, you know, if you're letting me speak to hundreds of people, it's because you think I'm not a risk to you in some way. I must be bringing something to the table. I, and I think that I'm happy to give and I'm happy to volunteer, but 
I'm not happy to do it when I can't leave the, leave the city <laughs> because mm. I'm on. Because that doesn't feel like volunteering. That doesn't feel I've got any agency in this. Mm. And I'm tired. I, I thought I was taking time off. So why is there time on when yeah. I'm having time off? Why am I working more when I'm taking time off? It didn't, it didn't add up. So you're in that place. What did keep you stuck there? What were you believing? Was it that this should be enough? That this should be enough and that was the lie? Yeah, that, this should be enough. And because I didn't see anybody else doing it, I heard these other women who were like, oh, you know, I'm just so glad I got to leave that rat race behind and all that kind of stuff. And I, they couldn't imagine wanting to do that. So that was one part of it. There weren't many friends I knew at that time who were working mothers too. And then there was a personal story as well. My childhood was quite turbulent. And I spent my first six years in foster care, wonderful foster mother, amazing woman, and then returned to live with my mum. My Hmm. And um, so I've always grown up with lots of mothers and it's just kind of our weird, wacky family should be on lifetime, that kind of thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, it's your normal. So you're like, what do you mean this is strange? And everybody's like, oh honey, it's strange. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think alongside that was this sense of, I have been given this child. I have been given this little life. And although my mothers didn't have much choice in, in what happened in, in our story, I have a choice. Surely all I should want to do is be here. Surely all I should want is to be in this room and have this choice that others were denied. And surely if I'm going to have this choice, I should make it the best. I should be, and because overachiever anonymous, <laughs> I should be the founder. It was like, and surely if I have this choice, I should be the best possible gajillion mother at this choice ever. And so I should puree carrots I have grown in my own yard. Right. And I, sh I mean, I can't, I mean, I kill cacti. That's how good <laughs> I am at plants. I should <laughs> knit, I should knit diapers. I should knit, you know I, mean? I should knit them from, from the wool of sheep I have reared. And I should be the happiest wife with the hottest body. And my body should snap back, not just snap as it did. <laughs> I mean, my body should snap back. And I, I hear be, a lot of shoulds. Yeah, a lot you know of I mean? shoulds. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. shooting all over myself. Yeah, Do you know what yeah. I mean? Oh, there totally. Was, and, and it was fear-driven. It was fear-driven and it was pain-driven and it was story-driven. And I had to keep on. And it wasn't, and I, I have to give my husband props on this. He never put any of these shoulds on me. He was just kind of yeah. waiting. He just didn't want me. He didn't want to put a should of, you should get out there either. So he was just waiting to see. And I remember going to a mentor of mine who was, who was one of the most conservative in this area that I knew. I'd watched her mentor other women and say, you know, you need to put everything down and everything. And I don't know whether it was a self-flagellating thing I was going for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of, I'm just going to pick the person who's most likely to say, suck it up get you to it. And yeah, I said, we do pick our mentors based on what we want, message you want to receive. What yeah. message we want to receive. Uh -huh. and, uh, and, and it was a very odd message I was wanting to hear. And she, she sat and she said, she said, honestly, Joe, I think you should be working and do it. And she mm. said, my generation never worked out how to do this stuff. At some point, somebody's going to have to work it out. And I, and I said to her, I said, okay, I chose you because you were the kind of crazy woman who would tell me I need to go and, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I said, yeah. What is with, I said, where, where did you suddenly start burning bras here and get all, I, I was a little bit annoyed. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah, yeah. you did not deliver the return on mm -hmm. what I was expecting. And she just said, cause you're gifted for it. She goes, these are your gifts. She said, I've known you for years. This is your gifting. 
She said, and if God has gifted you, and her words were, if God has gifted you and anointed you for this, then he will help you work this out. And he will guide you in this. But she goes, I, I, she said, I know what you're saying and I hear what you're saying, but I can't get away from the fact that this is where you're gifted. And then she said, and to be honest, a baby's not going to remember. <laughs> to be honest. And she goes, and to be honest, your baby's not going to remember what you're doing. She, she said, right now, for the next goodness now is how long, you're just going to be carrying them here, there and everywhere. They don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you're like she's totally not reaffirming this no 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 at all she is totally wrecking the narrative but it gave me some agency to choose it as well i'm like okay now i have to choose Mm -hmm. whatever whatever i'm doing i get to choose now and that and that was important when i think you've used the word choose because it is something a privilege of living when we do and where we do that we we get to, to make this. There's so many women who listen to this sh- show that this is not a choice and they yeah. grieve the cuddling and the looking in the eyes and the, the moment staying home and the connection with other moms. But I also heard you say from your own story that your moms didn't have a choice. And so there was this, well, I get a choice, so I should choose home mm-hmm. instead of well, how has God wired me what is he mm-hmm. assigning me right now? Exactly. And trusting him, because you said fear as well. And I think there's fear of failing as a mom, fear of rejection oh of our peers, fear of, you know, messing the whole thing up, honestly. Yeah. I mean, fear was really loud in those years. And I haven't found that to be a good motivator. No, turns out. <laughs> turns out. Yeah, turns that, out. That faith works a little, little better than yeah. fear. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Fear is, fear is not our friend. Fear yeah. is, and, and fear is like, it's not even benign. I mean, it has its benign ways and it's, do you know what I mean? It has these aggressive ways that intimidate you and it has these quiet ways where you just don't do things. Mm. And you don't know that don't, that, that kind of checking out is a fear-based thing. It's like, cause it's so far, it's so automatic. You don't even call it fear anymore. They're just the things you don't do. They're the, they're the ideas you don't entertain anymore. You kind of put them over here in this closet over here, because if we even approach it, what could happen? What, what could, could happen? happen? Yeah. Finding the perfect present for your mom is tough, especially if you don't have the luxury of celebrating Mother's Day together in person. My mom lives in Florida and she has a small condo, so even any kind of gift that takes up too much space is not a good match. But I've noticed every day when my second grader calls her and he does his reading for her, they often linger and I hear her sharing stories from her childhood which made me super interested in connecting with her through StoryWorth. StoryWorth is this fun and meaningful way to engage with family, especially those relatives you may not get to see very often. It's an online service that allows your loved ones to share stories through thought-provoking questions about their memories and personal thoughts. It's the gift of spending time together wherever you live. So every week, StoryWorth emails your family member different story prompts. So one's like, what did you like to do when you were a little girl? What have been some of your life's greatest surprises? What's one of the riskiest things you've ever done? And then I get to see what she's written. After one year, StoryWorth will compile all the answers to the questions and a photo you choose to include in a beautiful keepsake book that's shipped for free. This is a book that I know my boys are going to treasure forever. 
So give your mom the most meaningful gift this year with StoryWorth. Get started right away without the need for shipping by going to storyworth.com slash DMA. You'll get $10 off your first purchase. That's storyworth.com slash DMA for $10 off. Last week, I shared how Bruce and I were able to give his parents a skylight frame on Easter Sunday. And this week, his mom sent me a thank you note telling me how they've loved standing in the kitchen, watching new pictures come in, reminiscing about old times and hopeful of times when we'll all be together again. It's also fun. They can touch the screen and love the picture and it sends me an email and lets me know which ones they've loved. This is a great idea if you're looking for the perfect Mother's Day gift, a way to maybe connect family and friends around the globe because they can all email photos to the same frame from anytime, anywhere. It sets up so easily in under 60 seconds. You just plug it in, use a touch screen to connect to your wireless network and enjoy. And it's really pretty. It's a beautiful black frame. And if you don't like it, there's a 100% satisfaction guarantee. They'll give you a full refund. And if you want to give it for Mother's Day, you could open it up and pre or preload your favorite photos to it. Maybe send pictures they didn't know you had. Now, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the code DMA. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, go to skylightframe.com and enter the code DMA. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T. F-R-A-M-E dot com. And the code is D-M-A. So what helps you? You get this this mentoring. You're, you're starting to gear up courage. Is mm-hmm. that what helped you step into the place you are now? Or was there were there other things that helped you overcome those lies and fears? I think there were multiple steps over the years. One was actually, I tried one event where I flew, I flew to England for a weekend to speak at an event. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, I was a mess. I was a mess. like, my, um, my eldest, she was nine months old. Um, and I was like, I'm coming. And I remember talking to a friend saying, if anything happens to me on the plane, will you tell her I loved it? <laughs> and then I, and I was devastated when I left her at the airport. And then I got on the, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I got on the plane. And I got on this point, I thought, I can watch as many movies as I want right now. <laughs> I can watch all the movies. I can eat all the food. The food's going to be warm. It's going to be airport food, but it's going to be warm airport food. It's going to, it's going to be warm food. And then I can watch a movie again. I might have a glass of wine. I don't even know if I drink wine, but I might have a glass <laughs> of wine. I can try on perfume and duty-free. And then I'll try on another one. And, it was, <laughs> and, I, and then I sat down in the chair and I thought... I think this is going to be all right. I think I'll be fine. I, <laughs> I think, think I'm going to be fine. And, and so I think that was one piece. Coming home and seeing how my husband had bonded with my daughter as well was another piece. Hmm. And remembering that she wasn't left with a babysitter, which would have been fine, actually, if it was a good one. She was left with her father. Do you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, right. She was left with her father. And I'm like, okay, melodrama, Macho. She was with her dad. Mm. And they had this great time and it gave him this confidence in parenting and being able to have everything down that set him up for the years as well. Mm, that is so huge to talk about. Yeah. Huge. Well, and we talk about the, the grandparents that step in or the aunts yeah. or the uncles or even the friends. And I honestly, 
it's a beautiful thing to see the depth of relationship that my boys have with yeah. my parents because of the seasons where I was like, I'm going to this thing. I need someone else to step in. My husband can't. Will you? And because of that and that kind of opening the door to let them take ownership instead of this, I'm the ultimate one that everyone goes to. Yeah. It kind of, it, it connects them. My boys know their grandparents in a way they wouldn't. And my father is exactly. now in heaven and I'm even more thankful. Yeah. That they can yeah. appreciate the sadness of his, the loss of him because they knew him. Does that make sense? So sometimes we think I am the best for my kids. Rob them of the gift of everyone else. Exactly, and I and it's when it's driven by fear, I have to be the best for the kids. I have to be I'm, the best. I'm supposed yeah. to be the best for the kids. Yeah, and just building this fear-based, exhausting narrative, which actually is, is quite, it's rather damaging and and incredibly limiting. So I think there were there were a number of things over the like. So enjoying what I did helped mm. because I came back invigorated. Um, seeing my husband with my daughters helped. And there was a one point when I was a few years later and it might have been by this point that both the girls were around and they were like, Zoe was walking, my youngest was walking, my eldest was just about starting preschool. And it had been a devastating year. I'd lost, my father had died, my foster mother had died in a short space of time. Mm. And it was that horrible collision that we sometimes encounter in this era where yeah. you've got where you're sandwiched between the newborns and the losses all at yeah. once. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah, it feels too much. It feels too much. And I remember thinking, I'm 34 years old. I feel too young to have lost parents, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it was staggering. And I was not, I mean, it was just this agonizing, painful. Uh, I don't even remember much of the era, to be honest, because uh, you're just numbed by grief. You are. You're numb. numbed by yeah. grief and just going through the motions. And later on that year, I was invited to speak at an event and I was again back in England and, and actually for that one, the family came, we came together, then they went back early and I stayed a few extra days for another thing. And, um, I remember talking to my husband on the phone and he said, he said, you know, you sound alive and you haven't sounded alive for a long time. And he said, I know that there are reasons why you don't want to do things. And he goes, and I respect them. I, he goes, and he goes, I'll support whatever you want. But he said, I want you to know that I will learn all the things I need to learn so you can do this. He said, he goes, because he goes practically that he goes, it's not enough to say, yeah, yeah, you do it. Practically, I know this means there are things we need to do with our time. There are things about the girl's needs. He goes, he said, I think it's time. I learned all the things so that that doesn't be the reason why you stay or that doesn't be the reason that doesn't become the reason why you stop. And yeah, it was a, it was a profound moment for us both as well. And he, and he just said, you know, this, you're, this is the woman I married. I married you. And I married the, the one who sounds alive, who's invigorated. But yeah, he goes, you're a mom and you're a great mom. And he goes, I know you're a great mom. You're still getting to believe that you're a great mom. I already know it. <laughs> right. They don't understand why we don't, we don't own that more. Yeah. No, yeah. totally. And he, mm -hmm. and he said, but you're all these other things as well. He said, I just want my wife back. So, and I think it does take a while, doesn't it, for you to, well, at least it took me a while to get comfortable in my own skin. I met, I got to know a couple of other working mothers and I just felt, I thought, okay. And, and you know, real talk, my stay at home friends weren't judging me. The ones who judged me, I didn't become friends with. Do you know what I mean? My, <laughs> I just didn't because right. life is short. But the right. ones who were my friends weren't judging me anyway. They saw themselves as part of my support network. Exactly. Yeah. How did they, because that's probably a piece of what helped you do what you're doing is, is really connecting with true friends who, who believed more in you than their formula. 
Exactly. And who everybody's lives was enriched by the differences and the different stages of life. We didn't have to be a monolith to be friends. We didn't have to all do, because a lot of that doing the same thing, everybody acknowledged was built out of their own insecurity of, am I doing this right? Wow, Joe, that, let's say it again for the ones in the back. (laughs) (laughs) Essentially, we're all still seventh graders, but (laughs) yeah. Well, we want to have the trendy shirt or the tr- whatever the thing is because then I'm doing it right. I just was emailing with a mom that she was saying some of her isolation is this fear that I'm getting it wrong. So I pull away because if I'm in your presence doing it wrong, you're going to let me know and I can't handle that. So we've got to have everyone doing this the same. Oh, there's so much there to that. So there's a mom listening and it's not her gifting to go fly to London. It's not her assignment to be outside the home. Maybe maybe it's number of kids. Maybe it's just wiring that this is where she finds the fullness of joy is staying home. How does she play into this story for you? Because you just mentioned you had several stay-at-home mom friends. How did they, how did they help you implement this role? There are a number of ways. And, and it's been interesting over the years when you've have, have the gift of having friendships over years, how different things play in. But there, again, there are a few key moments. One, one was when I, I was traveling and I wasn't traveling all the way to England, but I was traveling. We were living in California. I think I was traveling to Atlanta or somewhere. And, and by this point, my, my oldest was in kindergarten. So we, we got to know each other at the school gates. And there was a woman there who we, we would chat and everything. And she said, oh, I know you're traveling. She goes, I just want you to know that if your husband needs anything or if the kids just need to come and play, I've got you kind of thing. And I, I felt really bad. I, and, I, and I was one of these particularly guilty feeling frustrated with my job days. And I was doing it and I knew it was, I was earning money. It was helping our family, but I still wasn't a hundred percent resolved on it all. And, and I said to her, I goes, I'm so grateful. And she grabbed my hand and she said, she said, hold on a second. She goes, you need to understand. If, <laughs> she goes, let me just help you understand a few things. She said, I'm not called to do what you do. I'm not, that's not my wiring. That's not my gift thing. You're called to do what you do. She goes, this is what I'm called to do. She said, this is me living my mission. This is my part of the mission. You're doing your part of the mission. This is my part of the mission. Let me do my part of the mission. She goes, that's all this is. And, and she said, this isn't you being a guilty mother and feeling bad and me stooping down to help you. She goes, and, and it was wonderful because she was just very realistic about it. She's like, look, we're all living these lives. And um, she goes, this is my gift. This is what I love to do. Just let me, would you just step out of the way and let me use my gift? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what I mean, the, uh, you can cry some other time, but this isn't the stay at home mom standing over you saying you poor inadequate working mother. This is us all on mission together, mm. playing our different parts. And when I'd come back from things, she'd be like, okay, how do we do? How's it all going out there? Because she knew she had a part in the mission. And so that was one of the ways. The interesting thing is as a number of my friends whose children have grown up and gone back to school, gone back to work, all that kind of thing, it's been interesting watching them step into the workplace at different chapters. And at that point, it's been my role to say to them, you do realize you're training. They're like, I don't feel adequate for this. I was out of work. I, I've been out of the workforce for years. And I said, you might have been out of the workforce, but you weren't out of leadership. You weren't out of training. You weren't, I said, you already have those skills. It's just that our world hasn't learned to validate them enough to know that you are amply trained for the job you're now taking on. You are amply trained because you have been negotiating and navigating things and all those volunteering roles that you did with different management, uh, they're all transferable skills. Mm -hmm. And, And if you don't like it, feel free to stop, but don't check yourself out 
because you spent these last eight, nine, ten years living out your calling, living out your gifting in the context of your home. Um, because I can see where these things fit. And so I would talk them through practically that when you did that there, that applies here. This mm. tool that you have there, that's called this in the working world. See that gift thing there? When they talk about being strategic, when you organize that birthday party and organize that thing, strategy is involved. It's just different language describing the same skills. And I would describe a scenario and they're like, oh, I can do that. And I said, I know you can do that. That's all that job is. But let me just give you the confidence to know that you have no reason to feel inadequate as you walk back in. And you do coaching, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I know you're I talking about just talking to your friends, but mm-hmm. that's something. If someone needs a little coaching, we could do a little plug here. Woohoo! <laughs> How would they do that with you? It's um, Joe Saxton Leadership Coaching, it's called, <laughs> just because I'm not good at names. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Might as well call a spade a spade. That's what it is. Yeah. And so if you go to my website, you'll find, you can click on the, about coaching and I have some digital ones, which are done on a group context. Um, but partly because some of our lives just aren't, do you know what I mean? It's like some of the women I'm coaching are listening to me on webinar whilst bathing their kids, because that is what works. And I'm like, let's do what works for the life you actually lead. <laughs> um, and yeah. the, the one you're actually living. And then yeah. there's a digital community and an online community where women who are working and in different spheres, some of them are in the workplace, some of them are in ministry, some nonprofits, some in the military, are all working out what it means to own their gifts. And a, fl- a, a rising tide floats all boats. A community grows together. Say that one again. Yeah, I, it was one of my friends who uses this. Gwen, I'm thinking of you. Um, but it's a, a rising tide floats all boats. And I think as we... Uh, like that proverb says, it takes a village to raise a child. I genuinely believe it takes a village to raise a leader. It takes a village of us. We all have contributions and input and wisdom and well-worn advice that we've got from the trenches to share with one another. And we're stronger for it rather than feeling we have to show up having everything together. I think we just have to show up and build a community where we're honest enough to, to share our vulnerabilities, but also to share our skills. Well, we're grateful you shared your story, Joe, because I think it mainly focused on you keeping your eyes fixed, setting aside fear, the support you gain from your spouse, from your friendships, from your family. And that is what we are all about at Don't Mom Alone. So appreciate you so greatly. Thankful to point people to you and your new book, which again, tell us about that, which is more encouragement. Yeah, it is. It's called Ready to Rise, Own Your Voice, Gather Your Community, Step Into Your Influence. And it basically, it, it, stemmed, from, it stemmed from me meeting lots of women in bathrooms weeping yeah, uh, and <laughs> about the story of their journey, the challenges and, I, and the isolation that many women feel, but also wanting to recognize the incredible contribution women make on earth. You know, the incredible contribution women are making every day. I was looking at, um, because I'm a stats person, even the U.S. Department of Labor has this thing about that women account for 47% of the workforce, Hmm. own up to 10 million businesses. They result in $1.4 trillion of receipts and that mothers are the primary or sole earners for 40% of households with children under 18 today. That's today. Wow. The primary or sole, sole earners. 
let alone the others who are equal earners to their spouses. So, I, I, and so I thought if the workforce is changing and the world around us is changing, how are we empowering ourselves? Are we hiding from it thinking, oh my goodness, I don't know how I'm going to do this? Or are we skilled and tooled to work, to navigate our way through a changing landscape? And so it's just an encouragement to say that, you know, you have gifts and abilities. It's time to unwrap them rather than hide them. It's an encouragement to say you have a voice which is worth hearing, whether that's in the courageous conversations you have with your spouse whether it's with your children whether it's with your extended family or whether it's in the workplace you have but you do need a community and and it gives some tips on how to build that community and then the encouragement to simply make your contribution to, to the world in which you live it's fantastic okay before we go though i feel like i need to say to give a voice to your daughters Yes. So if we go back to the beginning conversation, you were fearful and now they're of how they would quote unquote turn out. They're teenagers, which is, I mean, I've got a couple (laughs) teenagers myself. So, you know, it's not the easiest stage, but for anyone, stay at home, work outside the home, wherever you're single mom, whatever it is, it's not the Mm -hmm. easiest stage. What would be their thoughts on you embracing this gift? You know, there were some (laughs) some moments, there were some moments when they were at nine and 10, they were talking in the kitchen and they said, oh, you know, it's just so sad that some of our friends don't have parents who are there for them. And they're like, they don't have stay at home mums like you. And I said, I said, hold on a second. I said, can we talk please? And they're like, what? And and I said, you do know I travel, right? I said, you are there. When I, I said, I travel at least twice a month. And they're like, yeah, you travel. They're like, you go away for a day or so. But if I'm sick, you're the one who picks me up. You're the one who helps with my homework. You do carpool. Or if you're not on carpool, someone else does carpool. And my friends can call you when you're at the airport and you tell them who's doing carpool. So you're here. As far as we're concerned, you're here. And then, and then my youngest put her hand on my shoulder. She said, it's all right. It's okay. Just, just know you're a stay-at-home mother, okay? And then walked <laughs> off. <laughs> just walked off. And I realized what I'm experiencing in all my fears, they were experiencing something completely different. Yeah. And as teenagers now, I mean, now it's, we're still carpool. I am like the mother of the, of the carpools and the neighborhood with all like the Motley crew. And you know, those of you who have kids who follow you to the bathroom, I'd love to tell you that that stops, but it doesn't. (laughs) Uh, And when you just go to one piece, now they're like, mom, or they'll text you. They'll text you instead from the other side of the door. And they are vibrant and they are dynamic and they are energetic and they are hilarious and we laugh and we scream and we, and I, again, in each chapter of my life, I'm looking at what it means to be their mother now. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and yep. I'm learning now, but I'm encouraged when I see the things that I prayed for, I prayed that they'd have a grasp on the world, that they wouldn't get narrowly locked into one nation but that they would see the world and they talk about that. And I'm, and I'm encouraged when they, there are things they assume about the contribution they, they make in the world. In fact, the book starts with both of my daughters telling their stories on who mm. they wanted to be and what mm. they, or their role. And they, and their words are, they see me doing it and that's what they want to do too. They want to make, wow. and in different spaces, one of them wants to, one of them wanted to be president. She's changed her mind now. She wants, she feels there are other things she can do. Um, <laughs> we need her. Yeah. And I'm like, are you sure? Can you, would you mind? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the other one wants to she wants to be a surgeon they, their thing is they just want to do something that helps people and helps fix a broken world mm. wherever it is and, I, and I'm just I'm so encouraged and I'm so um, grateful and obviously I'm still learning <laughs> I'm right. still like okay so about these boys who are interested in your life let's mm. talk about those 
or, mm. or, you know, about social media, about all these things. I'm still learning. I'm still making mistakes, but I feel confident that they know they're loved. I feel yeah. confident that they know they have a mother and a father who is actively involved in their lives. And that, that has always been an enriching thing. I'm confident that I know how to say sorry when I get things wrong and that they believe me. I'm confident that we can talk it out, work it out, and that I still have a village of people who are raising the, uh, these children with me. And some of them are mothers and some of them are single women and some of them are extended family and some of them are fellow carpoolers who together we, we now have this community of volleyball kids or swim girls who we're raising together. And, and, it's, and it's still, I still feel completely blessed and completely honored that God gave me them and gave me this opportunity. Love it. Thank you for that cherry on top. Well, thank you. And thank you for being with us. I am excited for this book to come out and just more of you in this world. We love it. Thank you for using those gifts for the kingdom. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thanks, y'all, for listening. My prayer is that this bonds moms together, that we would not see each other as a competition or that one way of doing this is the right way, but that we would embrace that each woman is seeking God's best for their family. So I'm going to pray for us. Lord, I pray that we would keep our eyes fixed on you and that we would recognize the gifts and the talents you've given us and not hold them back in the name of trying to fit into a mold you never meant for us to fit into. I pray for the moms that are fitting into a mold right now that is not natural for them, the different roles that they're having to play in a challenging time of quarantine, that they are struggling to hold a lot of plates in the air that they normally would depend on other people to help them hold. I pray that we could reach out to one another, even though we are so weary of reaching out and we want everything to go back to quote unquote normal. I pray for all of the helpers and the essential workers who are leaving homes and risking their lives. We pray for their safety. We pray for wisdom. We pray for confidence in you and that we could trust you, that you do take all things and work them out for good and that you are ultimately in control of all things. We praise you and thank you for how you've blessed us with these children and the role you've given us to play in their lives, to encourage them to pursue the gifts and the interests and the talents that you've given them and the assignments you've given them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, y'all. Thanks for joining me today. I thank you for sharing podcast episodes with your friends. Thank you for sharing the show. I know that it's encouraging a lot of moms in this time where they can feel really isolated in their experience. And I just, I really do appreciate you. Every day when I start to feel a little bit discouraged, I get an email that pops up or a DM just with such an encouraging story or a way that God has used the show that I never could have imagined. So thank you for building me up in ways you don't even know. All right, y'all have a great week. Adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, Jesus said when he left, he was going to leave a helper, a comforter to be with us. God in us. Moms, that's superpower. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work, while you're feeding that baby late into the night, while you're cleaning sticky floors, God promises to be just as present 
with you as when you're worshiping in a church pew. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Now that's good news. Have a great day.